When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high-quality meat cooked at home because... Let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high-quality, grass-fed and grass-finished beef, organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code ETM to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Yeah, financial curse is something that is carried over from previous generations that really stifles the wealth building process. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Financial generational curses can be at the heart of so many of your money stories and play a huge role in the money decisions you make. Maybe in your family, there's been some hard circumstances around money for generations 
and you just haven't been able to build the wealth you've wanted to. Or maybe you felt like you made some of the same money mistakes over and over and over again. Look, no matter what your story is, these financial curses can leave you feeling stuck and shameful until now. Our guest, Cassandra Cummings, founder of the Stocks and Stilettos Society and author of Fearless Finances, says it is time to flip the switch on financial curses and money mistakes and focus on what you've learned instead. What have you learned from this mistake? What have you learned from maybe this misstep that you've had with money? Okay, you've learned that lesson. Leave the shame behind so that you can move forward. I've been a big fan of Cassandra's for some time now. I know you're going to be too after you hear this episode. We're exploring what a financial curse is, how to break financial curses so you can start investing and building wealth, key investing advice for black women, why black investors come with a different set of sensibilities around money than all their cultures, and then we're going to round it out with ways to develop confidence around money. Let's start talking. You are going to be the best thing to ever happen to your money. And so if you take that and really embody it, no one's going to take care of your money the way that you are. We're going to talk about today this idea of financial generational curses. And I know that can be at the heart of so many of our money stories. So I really want to dig in a little bit. You are on this mission. It drives everything that you do. You want to help more women that look like you, uh, really close the race, gender, and more importantly, investment gaps that really exist. You also want to help people break these generational financial curses and, and really learn how money works. You've got this new book called Fearless Finances, so we're going to dive into all of that too. But but before we do, you know, walk us through, Cassandra, like, what is a financial curse? How does it impact us growing our wealth? Yeah, a financial curse is something that is carried over from previous generations that really stifles the wealth building process. Um, and so it can definitely be a hindrance to where you may want to go financially without you not really truly understanding what's what's blocking you. And so that blockage sometimes can be a financial generational curse. Tell me a little bit about like, what do these look like? What, what does a, you know, financial generational curse, like how do we recognize what that is? So it could be something as simple as spending habits. It could be as simple as um, not necessarily having knowledge about how systems work in terms of finances. Um, it could be basically where you're sort of um, feeling trapped, if you will. Um, so, you know, how to how to get unstuck when you're feeling like you can't really maneuver um, these financial systems. And so um, that's kind of what they can look like. Um, me, myself, I was just talking to a friend the other day about a financial curse of mine, and it is this whole notion of moving a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so that can, and I didn't know this at the time, but that could indirectly impact your credit score. If you have a number of 
addresses that are being reported on your credit report, it just looks really bad from a consumer standpoint that you're always moving around. And so that little thing is a financial curse because that was something that I grew up with. My mom moved us all the time. And so it's very difficult to understand. It was very difficult at that time to understand, like, why do I have all of these addresses on here, which in fact was, you know, negatively impacting my credit score. It's interesting because, yeah, you wouldn't normally think the two things really like correlate to each other. But, you know, as you're sharing that story, I'm thinking about um, my husband who moved a lot when he was a kid too. And even just how that shows up in the way he he looks at money and kind of, um, I don't know, just kind of moves in the world. It's it's very different from my experience where I really only moved, yeah, I think maybe two times when I was a kid and just, mm-hmm. you know, had, I had that level of stability that, um, you know, maybe I took for granted, but I can see how, how that shows up um, just in how, you know, someone operates with their money and you're not even thinking that that is a hindrance, but but it actually is there. So, you know, I, once we realize some of these these curses or maybe some of these things that are blocking us, how do we move through those so that we can actually like start to create some level of ease or change or whatever that might be in our own situation? I think the first thing is that you really truly have to get a money team. Um, I talk about that in my book, Fearless Finances, because it's very difficult to overcome some of these curses on your own. So just having this conversation with my friend who is highly recognized as a career, I'm sorry, as a credit consultant, um, just having this conversation with her really unveiled that one little thing about credit with me. And so I think if you get a money team, whether that be a really good CPA, a really good financial advisor, um, an attorney, it could also be a really good insurance person. So all of these people play a factor in helping you overcome some of these generational curses and moving beyond that so that you can actually get to where you want to be financially. I think also, too, just getting inside of good communities. Um, I was just talking to another friend of mine and she said what helped her what helped her to reach fire was being a part of Bogleheads, which was um, John Bogle, John Bogle's group, who was the um, founder of Vanguard. Yeah, and so just that seems look, like a nice group to be involved with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just being in in that community and seeing how others were achieving fire helped her really put her plan in motion to achieve fire because no one in her family and her background had achieved fire. So being around people who have actually done it helped her to accelerate that process. How do you find the people to be in your money team? Like, how do you find people that are going to, you know, have your best interests at heart and really help you, you know, break these financial curses and and move ahead? Yeah, I think there's two ways that you can find it. The first way is by trial and error, right? (laughs) So you can (laughs) call up someone, look up someone and just see if, you know, that person eventually works out for you. That's probably the harder 
way to go, right? Because you're just combing through so many different people, so many different personalities. I think the, the best way to do it is by word of mouth. And so if you have someone that you admire from a financial standpoint, I would just ask them like, hey, who are you using for, you know, your insurance policies or who are you using as your CPA? Do you like that person? So really interviewing and almost to on the verge of interrogating that person. (laughs) Right. I like that word. I like that word. Because they're working for you, right? Yes. (laughs) And like, you know, so you can kind of get the gist of does this person have a CPA that they really admire? This person has really gone to bat for them in terms of, you know, fighting the IRS or really using the tax code to their advantage? Or do they say, mm, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call this person, but I may, you know, I have heard of someone else you might want to look into. I like that, right? And I, what I love about that advice is that I think so often when we're talking to people whether it's a financial advisor or an attorney, we can easily feel like, um, I don't know, almost ashamed, ashamed yeah. of our money situation, of our mistakes, of where we have been. And, you know, we can really feel like we're not in, you know, a power place to ask those questions that are really important. And so I love that you're, you know, encouraging us to do so, right? Yeah, it leaves you very vulnerable, right? Anytime that you are talking about money, especially when it comes to women, because women already have fear, um, typically around money. And so to really kind of expose yourself to someone who is much more knowledgeable about you, uh, about these different concepts or topics, it really leaves you in a very vulnerable state. And so it's very difficult for you to maybe open up to someone and say, hey, this is my situation. I really want help. I think also two people have a hard time asking for help as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about shame and how shame is such a big uh, generational financial curse. And really, in particular for women, you know, how do you see shame show up? Yeah, um, I just... It just made me think of this great quote from my money mentor, or she's more like a financial auntie in my head. Her name is Sandra (laughs) Davis. And so um, Sandra says, learn the lesson, leave the shame. And so what have you learned from this mistake? What have you learned from maybe this misstep that you've had with money? Okay, you've learned that lesson. Leave the shame behind so that you can move forward. So shame often, again, shows up as fear, right? We don't want to tell anyone that we made this mistake. We don't want to really expose ourselves because we may feel like we're being graded. And so this whole system of being graded, like I'm going to get an F on budgeting. (laughs) I'm going to get an F on how I manage my credit card debt. Um, (laughs) So no one wants to get an F. A C, a C minus for that matter in money management, right? <laughs> a, a thousand percent. I you're talking to a, a perfectionist herself, very you know type A, will fully admit, and 
if I can't get, you know, the equivalent of, of an A and everything, I have a really hard time. Like I really struggle. Yeah. And so, you know, I think um, it's been very therapeutic for me as a, as a non-practicing anymore certified financial planner. I used to work with people, but, you know, it's been really therapeutic for me to see how many people I would sit down with and they would say to me like, I'm so embarrassed. Like I, I can't, I can't tell you that I've made this mistake, or I'm so, you know, embarrassed to talk about this. And it's people even that you would like on the outside think have it all together. Yeah. And so it's really it was like very humbling for me to realize that a my own mistakes are not uni- unique and original, and I don't have to be shameful. But also that all of us walk around feeling this way, like feeling we're trapped in these bubbles of of shame and guilt and regret mm-hmm. and all these emotions around money. And I love, you know, what you're talking about too, is that a lot of that can be passed down to us from Mm -hmm. generations. And sometimes we don't even know why we're walking Mm -hmm. around with, you know, all of these feelings about money, but they're there. Right. Right. I mean, the same thing applies to me with cooking. Like I feel like I get A's in everything, but I definitely get like a D in cooking. I was just talking about this, how, you know, I'm trying to watch these YouTube videos and do this and do that. And it's like, this is what theirs looks like. And this is what mine looks like. And it's getting ready to go to the trash. (laughs) So I understand when people come and they feel shameful about money because I feel the same way about cooking. Well, I love to cook. So I will, I will happily give you a cooking demo any day. (laughs) But I understand what you're talking about. Many things in my life where, yeah, they're, they're not exactly, I'm, I'm definitely not going to get a perfect store score for sure. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things you talk about um, is that, that black investors, they come with this also like a different set of sensibilities, you call it, around money than other cultures. And I, I want to spend some time talking about this because this is really sure. important. You know, what do you think are some of the key pieces of investing advice for, for black women to really start building wealth? Um, and, and, you know, I guess to kind of, you know, beat the system at its own game, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think first and foremost, they have to prioritize it. Um, I think that as Black women, we have so many competing priorities. I think just people in general, right? And so oftentimes money gets put on the back burner and they kick the can down the road and say, I'm going to get to that later. I'm going to get to that later because I have my children. I have my husband. I have my sorority. I have my church work. All of these things come before they actually spend some time really evaluating where they are financially and and really taking that time to invest in putting a plan together. And so they shy away from that because it requires work. It's not a very easy process because again, it's going to expose vulnerabilities around money for you. I think also too Again, I just can't stress enough how important it is to get around like-minded people. Uh, That will definitely move the needle for you. And if you're embarrassed or shameful about your money situation, it's going to take a lot for you to start to open up to others around your money concerns, your, your embarrassment around money. But I think just really getting into that community and then you'll get to see 
firsthand what some people are doing. Like they are, maybe they are clipping coupons. Maybe they're not clipping coupons. Maybe they've opened up a Roth IRA. Maybe they're maxing out their Roth IRA and they're showing you how you can also max out your Roth IRA. But I think as Black women, we definitely have to um, make it a priority. We have to become educated because a lot of us are first generation A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, so we don't have a lot of those, um, how can I put it, parent privileges right? Okay. that other cultures have. We're really kind of starting from scratch. And so it's really important that we really beef up our knowledge, increase our competency around money, if you will. You talked about this idea too of of needing a plan. You know, what what does an investing plan look like? So an invest investing plan is going to pretty much be like A to Z, where you are now, where you want to go. So if you want to retire, let's just say you want to retire at 55. Now you start with the begin in mind and you know, I need to have X amount of dollars that's going to generate an 8% return the next financial anxiety anyone yeah you're not alone but worrying about it it doesn't help earnin does earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period you just download the earnin app and verify your paycheck then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash T-O-S for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps, but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. Gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. 
Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration fixtures so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 40 years or so, right? (laughs) Fingers crossed, right? Yeah, 40 (laughs) years. And so what do my investments need to do now during my accumulation phase? And then what do my investments need to look like when I get to my distribution phase at 55? So the investment plan is really designed to show where you are now, where you want to be, and then what's that going to look like once you actually arrive to that destination. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. And why are we as, I'm specifically speaking about women, why are we so nervous about investing? Is it just that we have been told for so many years that you know we're we're not we're not good with money um that we're not the ones that should be investing and and that fear is kind of you know it carried through generations I don't know what what do you what do you see why why are we as women um you know kind of lagging when it comes to investing I think a, a couple of things I think that women's empowerment um is just taken off. It's it's sort of a new concept, right? In the 60s and early 70s, the man pretty much handled all of the finances. And so we were really unaccustomed to really dealing with money, navigating this whole terrain around finances. And so it's still a relatively new concept to women. I think also um you know, in that same vein, women weren't women weren't able to buy property. Women weren't able to do a lot of things without the consent of their husbands. Have a credit and card. Have a credit card. I mean, 
So just little things, open a, open a bank account, right? Without having your husband there with you. And so those things kind of stifled um, how, you know, women progress with money. I think another thing with, with women and money is that we really, you know, we, it's called like the four D's, right? We've got deflect, which means we're going to give that responsibility to our husband. We've got divorce, you know, 50% plus divorce rate. We've got death. Um, So we've got those things working against us. And at some point we have to be able to learn how to manage money because it's going to come back to us in some form or fashion where we have to be comfortable with how money works. Yeah, in your new in your new book Fearless Finances in the intro, you write that many women have a hard time articulating what they want when it comes to money. I really love that statement. It really stood out to me. Yeah, how do we develop I guess the language and the confidence to figure out what we want? Mhm. Yeah. Again, it's the exposure. The exposure is key. So, I think Again, in these communities like the Stocks and Stiletto Society, you start to build up the acumen that's needed to really speak that language of money. So we have women that come in and they're like, what's a ticker symbol? You know, what's, uh, you know, what's price to earnings ratio? And so we teach them these concepts. We teach these, um, you know, we teach this vernacular so that they can actually be confident when they sit across the table from a financial professional. And it's so heartwarming. I just had someone in my community say they had a meeting with their financial advisor and they knew all the questions that they should ask. Yeah, and so, I love that. I mean, that's huge confidence builder because now you're not sitting across the table like a deer in the headlight saying, <laughs> okay, 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 <laughs> right? Just and then walking nice. away going like, I have no idea what they just said, yeah. Exactly. This person was speaking like, uh, you know, Arabic to me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I would imagine that so much of the confidence, right, it comes from knowing the language because- in the world of money, there are so many acronyms and big words and things that are just thrown out that can really make you feel scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, again, going to a country and they're speaking a different language and you have no idea and you just you you just want to go to the restroom. Right. <laughs> show, show me the restroom like it's urgent. <laughs> and they're like, I'm, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I've probably been there, done that for sure. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, you know, speaking of heartwarming and changes, I know that um, you've gone through quite a change in your own life. You grew up on welfare. I knew you had a you had a teenage mom, and that you really felt kind of ashamed of your you know your beginnings around money, but you've been able to really move through some some of your own limiting beliefs around money. Tell us about that journey and that process of, of you know, going through those hard times and kind of coming out the other end. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, it was definitely a lot of embarrassment about, you know, just like my family, family structure. Um, and so, it's, it's, you know, it was somewhat common in my environment coming up 
But at the same time, as I started to move outside of my environment, I was saying this is definitely uncommon (laughs) for the different areas that I was moving into. Um, For instance, when I went to college, I started to see what another, you know, I started to see a different normal, if you will. Um, And so, again, I think getting around people who were very mindful, people who were very sensitive to that and people who were compassionate and willing to show me different things. Um, Even though I had a financial advisor early on because my dad left me a life insurance policy, she was willing to take the time to at least sort of educate me on some certain things. And so I had to sort of take you know, take it to the next level. Um, I talk about that in in some regard about the financial advisor, but I wish that I had actually, I wish I had known to do my own research ahead of time. Mm, right. Um, okay. Because, you know, I think that I would have gotten a lot more out of our meetings. I would have been able to, um, you know, maybe direct her choices a little better, um, but I was still very, fairly young. And then moving into corporate America, again, I got to see different ways in which people used money, um, how they used other people's money to really grow and scale their businesses. And so, again, at each stop, I was very intentional on what can I get out of this, um, you know, this opportunity and how is that going to move me to my next financial level. So that was actually really key too. Yeah. And how important was that life insurance policy? I bet that was like a game changer for you. It was, it was definitely a game changer. Um, but it was also very difficult, um, at the Mm -hmm. same time because I was, um, I was still fairly young. I was only 18 and to get so much money so soon, um, coming from my environment, I just did not, I was not equipped to to yeah. really understand the magnitude of what I had available to me at that time. And I didn't have good people around me. So I only had my family and, you know, they had a different relationship with money as well. So yeah, it was very, it was bittersweet, if you will. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I had someone on the show uh, a couple months ago, and they were talking about um, we were talking about trauma around money and how something that that to the outside world feels like a blessing to get a mm-hmm. life insurance policy when a loved one passes on to have them, you know, have thought about you ahead of time and set that up. How can it can actually manifest as as trauma in you because? You know, it it sort of feels a little bit. Um, she used this word like blood money. That you know, mm-hmm. you're you're inheriting this money. You don't. You'd rather have the person than the money, and then oh, you don't know what to do with the money and how to spend the money, and it, like it just gets so complicated. Um, you know, in, in your head that you just you know, especially for women, she was saying that you know a lot of women just kind of sit on these inheritances and don't know what to do because there's trauma and shame and like every emotion around money mm-hmm. in a time when you know, you, you would think that maybe having extra money would, would be helpful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would have given that check back in a heartbeat to have my dad here today, you know, just, it just wasn't, it wasn't worth it. 
um, you know, if I had to, if I had to choose. But not only that, I think too, it was how people started to react to me knowing that I had this money. Ooh, yeah, so exactly. there were other, you know, so the money didn't necessarily change me. It was the people who, uh, people who were around me that changed. And because they were changing, I had to change. And so, yeah, it just became very, it became very challenging um, at that, at that time. And to, to deal with all of that at 18 was, um, you know, it was very difficult. Yeah, I, I cannot even imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about your book, Fearless Finances. Yes. Because um, I know that's something you're you're super proud of. And I love this idea of, of having fearless finances. You know, we've t- we talked about investing, we talked about, you know, these these financial generational curses that come up, but what what are some of the other key pieces that go into us having fearless finances? I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, the Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks? Where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen, the host of the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Over the past few years, we've looked at how women around the world are changing societal norms to increase their economic power. This season, we're focusing completely on girls how they're pushing for a brighter, more powerful future, and what the rest of us can do to set them up for success. Join us for stories about girl power, young women who are fighting for change, to give themselves a chance to live a life of their own choosing. That's season six of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, um, I talk about this um, because I was sort of, just sort of jogging my memory about different things that I was fearful about that I had to really push through. And one of them was that I didn't start the home buying process early enough. Um, I remember my financial advisor, when I inherited the money, I was like, oh, I should buy a piece of property. And she said, oh, well, you don't have any income. Right. (laughs) Right. And so at that like, time, but I have I, this check. <laughs> I had enough money to pay cash 
for a condo at a minimum, right? Right. So I could have bought a condo outright and and that would have started my home buying process. I think also too, um, fear set in when I was in LA and I had an opportunity to buy a townhome near the forum. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. And so again, fear set in because again, I was accustomed to moving around and I told my friend, I don't want to grow roots here. Mm, but had I, had I bought that condo when I was maybe like 27 or that townhome when I was 27, I mean, that would have really started my wealth building journey much, much sooner. Um, so at 23, 24, I could have paid cash for a condo, 27-ish, I could have bought a townhome in LA. Then I go to Houston. So, you know, Houston, I could have bought a brand new home. <laughs> but this home, you know, just the fear really set me back. And so in the book, I really try to share some of my personal stories so that people don't make those same mistakes or don't allow fear to waste time and money for them. Hmm. I, I, I like that a lot because I think it's, you know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about financial advisors, you know, being a formal former practicing one myself, I always get just really frustrated when I hear stories like that, because, you know, your, your job as a financial advisor is really to look at the the client, the human, the person in front of you, and look at what would be best for them and their situation and take all of your bias out of the conversation. And so many people have these stories that, um, like your story, where that didn't really happen for whatever reason. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think what you're sharing is, is really important because wherever you are, whoever you're listening, you know, that's listening right now, wherever you are on your money journey, there's going to be these decisions that you need to make kind of along the way. And the older we get, the more of us that will be inheriting, you know, some money along the way. And, you know, to really think through like, what is right for me and my situation, like get the advice, get, get, mm -hmm. you know, the professional opinion, but then also sit with, you know, what, what is right for me? And sometimes those decisions might be different from the advice you're getting and that's okay. Right. I mean, that, that I, I'm hoping, I'm thinking that's the message you want people to receive. Absolutely. I mean, I'm also a financial advisor. I'm a, I'm an RIA. And so I think had I known earlier on the difference between say a regular financial advisor and one that is a fiduciary, that would have definitely led me to say, hey, I really appreciate you showing up with this check, but I really have to find someone else. I just took what was given to me. Um, and that could also be, a, you know, an instance of fear because I just took what that person was presenting and I didn't say, you know what, this is great. Let me go and actually see about getting a second opinion. Um, but I had all the ability to do that. I probably just didn't know to do that at the time. Of course not. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, and, and so many people in your in your situation, no matter what age they are, you know, are, are kind of along that that same thinking. Well, I mm -hmm. want to transition just a little bit. Talk about twenty twenty three. We yes. were we were talking about <laughs> investing before, you know, and I think everyone's big question is, you know, what's going on in the market and. <laughs> 
what should I be doing in 2023? What advice do you have for us? Yeah, 2023 is going to be quite volatile, I will I will say. <laughs> I feel um, like we need like a dun 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 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um it's going to be quite the roller coaster ride. I mean, it's like today the the stock market is rallying. Um, you know, we've got we've got a lot of economic announcements on the horizons. We got on, on the horizon, we have Fed rates. Um, being tinkered with. We have, you know, an election uh, coming up towards the latter part of the year. So we have a lot of things um, that are really going to keep the market moving erratically um, this year. And so my advice would be to hold, to buckle up and, you know, hold up, hold in tightly to your investment plan. And so I wouldn't make, you know, sudden changes. I would also look for dips and buy the dips, right? You hear that a lot in the market. And so you want to be cognizant of that um, because there are going to be a lot of opportunities for you to buy things on sale in the market. And so I like to say cash is queen. So keep your cash over to the side because there's going to be ample buying opportunity this year. And so what's so great about what you're saying when you're saying, you know, buckle up your seatbelt, it's going to be a little, little bumpy, but you're also saying that there's going to be opportunities to get in and make some, some good, some good buys and hopefully make some good, good cash. Right. And, and so, you know, maybe even think of the bumps as something that is for your benefit, if you could take advantage of it. Yeah, I would say, you know, buckling your seat means try your best not to sell off losing investments. Um, I know people can get frantic, people can get scared, but really try to hold on to those investments and ride those out. And then on the flip side of that, buy more of what you already really like holding on to. So if you really like holding on to certain companies, when they go on sale, buy more. Um, and so that's really what that speaks to. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you can never have too many black dresses or whatever, whatever your yeah, thing is, huge right. hats, you name it, right? Yeah, when they right. go on sale, you buy them. So, <laughs> right. you know, use that same, that same uh, strategy and yes. build yourself some wealth. Well, Cassandra, to, to kind of close out this, this wonderful chat, I really want to encourage all of the females listening and really anybody listening you know, when it comes to investing, when it comes to building wealth, when it comes to breaking these generational financial curses that, that might be there, that that we can do this. Like we can build wealth no matter what, no matter where we came from, whatever situation we're in. So I'm wondering if you give us just a little, you know, like pep talk or a little inspiration to close out here for how we can really embrace this idea of, of fearless finances and, mm-hmm. you know, make this year our best yet. Yeah, I like to say you are going to be the best thing to ever happen to your money. And so if you take that and really embody it, no one's going to take care of your money the way that you are. And so use this year to really educate yourself, get into great communities, put your money team in place. And if you do that, 
fear won't even become a part of your vocabulary when you're talking about money. Mm, and so I just employ you yeah. to, yeah, to do those things and you'll be, you'll be on your way. No doubt. This conversation really had me thinking about these generational financial curses that exist in my own family and how those show up in my money decisions I make. I don't know, something about everything Cassandra was saying just made me do this deep dive and I really uncovered a lot of stuff. So I encourage you to ask questions and really get to know your family's money stories. As Cassandra says, it will teach you a lot about how you do money. It's pretty eye-opening. You can follow Cassandra on Instagram and Facebook at Stocks and Stilettos, and you can pick up a copy of her book everywhere books are sold or to head right to our website, BeFearlessFinances.com to buy the book. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone right now who also might need to you know, break some of these generational financial curses. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you right back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode.